I got her again, guys. Nope. <laughs> yeah, I did. I saw you. Okay. <laughs> Y'all ready for more Bible study today? Oh, I'm ready. We got Jesus showing up today. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know that, but today is a Jesus-filled day. We just had Easter, and now we're going to go back in time to before Jesus was a thing. And we're going to talk about how Jesus was proclaimed to be a thing. Or he was going to be a thing. Yeah, he was totally going to be a thing, and it's all our fault. So, you ready for this, hon? I am ready. Okay. So, um, a Hazajob learns of the pinky swear between Syria and Pikachu. If you guys don't remember, Pikachu died last episode when he was assassinated by some fucking guy. Hosea. Whatever. God then slips Isaiah a note for a Hazajob, and Isaiah passes the note along during their free play time. God tells Isaiah to take his child, Isaiah's child, to meet Ahaz a job. Ahaz a job refuses to talk to God because God is a bad motherfucker and he's not about to test that guy. Isaiah is pissed at this and says, don't try my patience, boy. Virgins is going to birth the Messiah. <clears throat> Isaiah then continues to bitch to Ahazajab. He says the king of Assyria will fuck Judah with Satan's spiky dick. God is going to get so mad that he's going to have somebody cut the water and shave their balls. Syria and Israel will also get fucked. Isaiah then fucks a prophetess and has a kid with her and named him something pretty fucked up. Something about plunder or remnants or something i don't know uh and then syria falls of course they trip on a rock uh euphrates <laughs> is gonna flood the the euphrates is gonna flood and cover over judea even though god did that whole rainbow thing but i guess that was pretty specific to a global thing um isaiah is then warned by god not to start sucking other god's dicks and only trust in his mighty schlong uh, God then continues with uh, another commandment of trust no bitch. And there's no more gloom in all this because Jesus is coming soon and Jesus will reign supreme. Isaiah's rem remnants then will get fucked up some. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. <laughs> and you will eat each other and not in a good way. Apparently there's going to be some cannibalism not oral sex. Right. The end. Yeah. We're definitely going to need to go over that again. Are we? Yeah. I thought I did pretty good that time. Mm. No? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, heathens? How, How y'all doing? doing? So, obviously, I got some things wrong. Casey's here to fix them. We do have a number of Jesus things that are happening today. We and, do. Um, I'm, if I can remember it, I'm going to put the 353 prophecies, and we're going to be looking at the section of Isaiah 7 through 9. Yeah. Which I think is what our section actually covers today. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, um, if you remember last week, we have new kings in both Israel and Judah. Last week, Pekah was assassinated by Hosea, and Hosea took, Hosea took over Israel. 
And Jotham in Judah, who's the king of Judah, he died and his son Ahaz um, succeeded him as king. So um, when Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, king Rezin of Aram, and Pekah, which Aram is part is Syria, right? Mm-hmm. And Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, matched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. So the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. So it was, it was upsetting. It was upsetting to the people in Judah to find out that Israel was basically allying with Syria to attack them. That really, it kind of, that came as a surprise, right? Mm-hmm. So God said to the Lord said to Isaiah, go out you and your son Shear Jashub. And it, I, I find this particularly interesting. Shear Jashub is the name of his son, mm-hmm. but it means a remnant will return. That's what it, it means. So, which is kind of interesting because Isaiah has been talking about the remnant of Israel that will remain after all of this. And mm-hmm. Micah has talked about it. Right. So I think it's interesting that that's his son's name. Mm-hmm. Um, to, so he tells him, you and your son go out to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to Washerman's field. Say to him, be careful, keep calm and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because these two smoldering stubs of firewood, because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and the son of Re- Remaliah, Aram, Ephraim and Remaliah's son have plotted your ruin saying, let us invade Judah. Let us tear it apart and divide it amongst ourselves and make the son of Tabeel king over it. Yes, this is what the sovereign lords. Oh, yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. For the head of Aram is Damascus. The head of Damascus is only resin. With 65 years, Ephraim will be too shattered to be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria. And the head of Samaria is only Remaliah's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. So basically, Isaiah is saying that God told him that they're not going to overcome Judah um, because they're going to be fucked up themselves too much to be able to stand as a nation. Mm -hmm. Right. So again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. So even though God is telling Isaiah to tell Ahaz to come talk to him, Ahaz is saying, nope, I'm not doing that. So Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will eat curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. But before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. The Lord will bring on you and on your people and on the house of your father a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah. He will bring the king of Assyria. Yeah, so this part right here is obviously Jesus that he's talking about. Or at least this is the modern interpretation of these passages. Now, there is sort of a nuance that goes on here. 
with interpreting these passages because you can take the original context in which they were written in, right? Mm-hmm. Or there's the understanding of the first century Jewish population as to what these passages mean. Mm -hmm. Those are two totally different concepts, right? So what we're going to be discussing here in this Bible podcast is the Christian or what would become the Christian or was the early Jewish idea of what these particular passages mean. And what that is, is a prophecy of Jesus. Okay, so just getting that out, out of the gate before anybody's like, ah, this doesn't actually prophesize Jesus. I understand the, the two different things. But this is Isaiah 7.14, uh, where it's prophesied that he will be born of a virgin and be called Emmanuel, mm-hmm. which means God with us, which lays down some theological things about the Messiah. Meaning, Basically, though, it, it lays down the, the, the idea that he will be born of a virgin, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that he um, will be basically God incarnate on earth, mm-hmm. right? It lays down a few theological concepts, which the virgin birth wasn't act, like, I, I don't know exactly how they interpreted this with like the original adoptionist view of the Christ entity, but eventually when it started to become worked in with pagan ideals, that's when you get the literal virgin birth. Yeah. There's different ways in which something can be considered a virgin birth. Um, it doesn't specifically have to be like coming from a woman, like without having sex. Um, there's different kinds of virgin births that happen, uh, in history, uh, or well in, in history of religions. Mm-hmm. Um, we've gone over this, uh, extensively in one of our Bible podcasts before. So I'll try to point you guys to that when we discuss other virgin births that happened in history. But, um, for the purposes of this, just know that this prophecy right here in Isaiah seven fourteen is born of a virgin, and he's going to be essentially God walking among humans. Called Emmanuel. Right. Mm-hmm. In that day, the Lord will whistle for flies from the distant streams of Egypt and for bees from the land of Assyria. They will all come and settle in the steep ravines and in the crevices in the rocks, on all the thorn bushes, and in all the water holes. In that day, the Lord will use a razor hired from beyond the river, the king of Assyria, to shave your head and the hair of your legs and to take off your beards also. You know, I could have sworn he said something about shaving their balls in this, but um, obviously I'm wrong. Yeah, you are. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I do do believe that um, somebody having their beard shaved um, is a way to um, demean them, like demoralize oh, them. Well, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you recall back uh, early in the Old Testament, uh, what they would do with captured women mm-hmm. is they would cut their hair mm-hmm. and and shame them that way. Yeah. And put them into a, a sort of a state of submission. Yeah. And so I think that's what they're trying to get across here. Yeah. In that day, a man will keep alive a young cow and two goats. And because of the abundance of the milk they give, he will have curds to eat. All who remain in the land will eat curds and honey. In that day, in every place where there were a thousand vines worth a thousand silver shekels, there will be only briars and thorns. Men will go there with bow and arrow for the land will be covered with briars and thorns. As for all the hills once cultivated by the hoe, you will no longer go there for fear of the briars and thorns. They will become places where cattle are turned loose and where sheep run. Right. I feel like this imagery right here is just talking about how the, the, 
you know, it, like, like the the fruit of of these people is barren, mm-hmm. right? Like they they the land of plenty will no longer give, right? Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it actually reminds me of the fig tree in mm-hmm. uh, the New Testament Gospels. Uh, because that's essentially the exact same imagery that's given in that particular story. Yeah. Um, So Isaiah continues, The Lord said to me, Take a large scroll and write on it with an ordinary pen, Maher Shalal Hashbaz. Now, Maher Shalal Hashbaz means quick to the plunder, swift to the spoil. Okay. Uh, and I will call in Uriah, the priest, and Zechariah, son of Je- Jeberachiah, as reliable witnesses for me. Then I went to the prophetess, and she conceived and gave birth to a son. And the Lord said to me, Name him Mahir Shalal Hashbaz. Before the boy knows how to say my father or my mother, the wealth of Damascus and the plunder of Samaria will be carried off by the king of Assyria. The Lord spoke to me again. So he's prophesying what's happening, where what's going to happen. Right. Uh, the Lord spoke to me again, because this people has rejected the gently flowing waters of uh, Shiloah and rejoices over Rezin, the son of Remaliah. Therefore, the Lord is about to bring against them the mighty floodwaters of the river. And here they're talking about the Euphrates. Mm-hmm. The king of Assyria with all his pomp, it will overflow all its channels, run over its banks and sweep into Judah, swirling over it, passing through it and reaching up to the neck. Its outspread wings will cover the breadth of your land. O Emmanuel, raise thy raise the war cry, you nations, and be shattered. Listen, all you distant lands, prepare for battle and be shattered. Prepare for battle and be shattered. Devise your strategy, but it will be thwarted. Propose your plan, but it will not stand, for God is with us. The Lord spoke to me with his strong hand upon me, warning me not to follow the way of this people. He said, Do not call conspiracy everything that these people call conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy, He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread, and he will be a sanctuary. But for both houses of Israel, he will be a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Many of them will stumble, they will fall and be broken, they will be snared and captured. Yeah, so this is something that's echoed through Paul's writings, too. Um when he talks about like the crucifixion or Jesus, like Jesus being a, a stumbling block, mm-hmm. um, uh, the, this, the, so basically the, this is talking about how this Jesus figure or this Messiah figure is going to cause like, but like both, both sections of, of Jews to like falter or whatnot or stumble. Well, said the Lord. Well, right. But there he's conflating the Lord with, because the Messiah is going to be God with us is going to be Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's kind of, it's kind of mixing it up and it's interchangeable that, but the uh, Isaiah eight, eight and eight fourteen are actually identified as prophecies of Jesus. Uh, notably being a rock of offense, uh, a stone of stumbling. Yeah. I, that was actually 
uh, 11 through 17 that I just read. Right, yeah. Before that, 8 through whatever. Well, yeah, 8, it talked about Emmanuel, but mm-hmm. then in 14, it also talks about uh, it. It's, it's meant to conflate the two together, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it continues, Bind up the testimony and seal up the law among my disciples. I will wait for the Lord, who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. I will put my trust in him. Here am I, and the children for the Lord has given me. We are signs and symbols in Israel from the Lord Almighty who dwells on Mount Zion. So that's uh, that's not the end of eight. Sorry. When men tell you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living to the law and the testimony? If they do not speak according to his word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land, and when they are famished, they will become enraged, and looking upward, they will curse the king and their god. And then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. So he's basically saying, don't trust any of the other people who give you prophecy. Trust no bitches. (laughs) Medium, spiritists, any of those people, don't trust any of them. Trust me, which we've heard repeatedly from isaiah and from micah yeah don't trust any others but trust me right so uh they continue here now this is isaiah uh chapter nine right okay nevertheless there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress in the past he humbled the land of zebulun and the land of naphtali but in the future he will honor galilee of the gentiles by the way by way of the sea along the jordan The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing their plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for for the fire. For to us, a child is born to us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Right. <clears throat> so those last two verses there, this is Isaiah 9, 6 and 9, 7, has a whole lot of pro- prophecy in them. Uh, so in those last two verses, the prophecies are in order. A child is born, uh, humanity. A son is given, deity. Um, declared to be the son of God with power. He's the wonderful one, Pela, the counselor, Yats or something. The mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. He's going inherit to the, inherit the throne of David. Uh, his character is just, and there's no end to his government, throne, and kingdom. So... I mean, the only there are a lot of different interpretations for the Messiah. Mm-hmm. One of them is a militaristic leader, and I can see how they would get that from this. 
that he's supposed to physically take over the throne of David. Well, sure. I mean, militaristic leaders, their kings were militaristic leaders. That's what they had always been. Right. Mm -hmm. But there's also the case to be made with this no end to his government, throne, and kingdom. The only way that that can really happen for one person to inherit the throne and be like the king forever is to be spiritually a king. Right. So a lot of people want to make it out to be like the, the view of the Jews was that it was, he's supposed to definitively be a militaristic leader that's supposed to take over when in actuality, the early Jews were very diverse in their beliefs. And so one set of Jews believed that it was supposed to be a spiritual, uh, um, a spiritual thing like he uh, this this son or this uh, guy that inherits David's throne is spiritually going to inherit his throne and take over and you know bring peace and that's uh, essentially that's what Jesus does in the gospels mm-hmm. uh, and Paul's Jesus I mean he takes the the throne of David he is created in David's flesh and so you know I mean this it works for both ways, and we indeed see both versions of of this Messiah in history. Josephus records the Egyptian, who was a militaristic Messiah, mm-hmm. that tried to come in and take over and everything, but he failed. So the only one that could really ever conceivably uh, succeed would be a spiritual one, and that's what actually ends up winning out in history. All right, so you ready to continue? Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry for that. No, that was great. Um, So the Lord has sent a message against Jacob. It will fall on Israel. All of the people will know it. Ephraim and the inhabitants of Samaria who say with pride and arrogance of heart, the bricks have fallen down, but we will rebuild with a dressed stone. The fig trees have been felled, but we will replace them with cedars. But the Lord has strengthened Rezin's foes against them and has spurred their enemies on. Arameans from the east and Philistines from the west have devoured Israel with open mouth. Yet it is yet for all this, his anger has not turned away. His hand is still upraised. And he's talking about God here. Mm-hmm. But the people have not returned to him who struck them, nor have they sought the Lord Almighty. So the Lord will cut off from Israel both the head and tail, both palm branch and reed in a single day. The elders and prominent men are the head. The prophets who teach lies are the tail. Those who guide this people mislead them, and those who are guided are led astray. Therefore, the Lord will take no pleasure in the young men, nor will he pity the fatherless and widows, for everyone is ungodly and wicked. Every mouth speaks vileness. Yet for all this, his anger is not turned away. His hand is still upraised. Surely wickedness burns like a fire. It consumes briars and thorns. It sets the forest thickets ablaze so that it rolls upward in a column of smoke. By the wrath of the Lord Almighty, the land will be scorched and the people will be fuel for the fire. No one will spare his brother. On the right, they will devour, but still be hungry. On the left, they will eat, but not be satisfied. Each will feed on the flesh of his own offspring or arm. The Hebrew can be translated either. It has been translated both ways, offspring or arm. So each will feed on the flesh of their own. Uh, Manasseh will feed on Ephraim and Ephraim on Manasseh. Together they will turn against Judah. Yet for all this, anger, his anger is not turned away. His hand is still upraised. So there, this whole section here has been talking about God's wrath against Israel because they have fucked up for a very long time. Right. Yeah. And um, 
we're going to, that's actually it for this week. But next week, we're going to go, we're going to continue on with Isaiah chapter 10 uh, through 12, the beginning of 12. Yeah, I was hoping that you were going to say that. Yeah. And then we're going to get into some more um, Kings and Chronicles, some more story stuff and where we are out of out of the prophecy a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to continue on talking about how God is mad about injustices and what a serious punishment is going to be. Um, and we're going to Isaiah is going to talk again about this remnant that's going to be saved. OK, mm-hmm. Um and he's going to talk about how they'll overcome captivity. And um, we're actually going to go through the Savior's lineage from David. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, which uh, I believe that's, his, it looks like it's Isaiah 11, 11. Mm-hmm. Is, is a big prophetic uh, portion of it. Uh, there's also a little bit in 12, mm-hmm. um, although I'm really kind of confused by that one. So, but this is like, I'm working off of a list that's official, like what Christians think are prophecies. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to have to read into Isaiah 12 too, because apparently that calls him Yeshua. Okay. But I don't well, see how. And in also in 11, we're going to talk about how the Savior is going to gather the remnants, mm-hmm. right? Because we're going to talk about how the remnants going to be saved um, and how the Savior is going to gather them. And then 12 is going to talk about the praise for deliverance. Um, and it is going to, let's see. Okay. So that's where we're going to get out. We're going to finish with as not finish with Isaiah totally, but next week, then we're going to go into second Kings and second Chronicles and talk about how Judah was defeated. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, captives being released. And we're going to talk a little more about Ahaz and what he's going to do. Okay. Okay. Sounds awesome. Next week's going to be another fun-filled Jesus week, too. Yeah. (laughs) Isaiah has a lot of Jesus prophecy in it. Oh, yeah. And it's kind of long. Yeah. So we're not not even close to the end of Isaiah. We've got a lot more Isaiah to go. One of the best passages in Isaiah doesn't come in until 45. Yeah, and we've got a ways to go to 45. Yeah. Because that's when God creates both the light and the dark. Yeah. We've got like a month worth of episode. Well... So today is technically we don't we don't really go by this. Um, we we do it by days. Like so, we're on day what one forty three. Yeah. Um, in the book, it's we're on day June 29th. Yeah. Right. Okay. And on and the forty five we get into on July fourteenth. So we've got we've got some time. Yeah. <laughs> we've got some time before we get to Isaiah forty five. All right, uh, heathens. Sorry, I almost called you mafiosos. Some of you are. Yeah, some of you guys are mafiosos out there. If you want to become a mafioso, smash that join link. Yep. (laughs) But I guess we'll see you guys next time with more Isaiah. And uh, until then. Don't forget to stand up and use your voice. Bye, heathens. Bye, y'all.